0: In this episode of I Can't See You, I'll tell you about the two fantasy football drafts that I participated in this week. Both were fun, but not nearly as much fun as last year's draft. I'll also talk about my cornea recheck, and I'll tell you about the BEP vending business that I worked at in Northeast Philadelphia. From Studio B in Swarthmore, this is the I Can't See You podcast with David. It's like blind people for dummies. Hello there, and welcome to episode 195 of I Can't See You. My name is David, at David Benj, on all the socials. I really do appreciate you joining me for this episode, and I apologize for not taking that all the socials out as far as I did last week, so I wanted to make sure I got it in this week. So again, that's all the socials. (laughs) I do have a few things, as usual, to talk about, and I'm gonna lead off with fantasy football, and I know it's fantasy football season, almost football season, and it's a lot of fun to me, and it is just amazing how much fun that the group of us have in the All Blind Fantasy Football League. There were two drafts this week. As I told you last week, I am again participating in the All Blind Fantasy Football League, and Colin from Yahoo put together a league of six Teams from the All Blind League and six folks from Yahoo who are going to participate. The All Blind draft was first on this past Wednesday night, and I'm recording this Saturday afternoon. It was a lot of fun, but we didn't do it via Zoom. It was just bing bang boom. We were everybody was just on their phones. Nobody used Zoom. But in the it's being called the Frenemies League, the Yahoos versus the the Blind folk. <laughs> Uh, It was done via Zoom, and eight of the 12 teams were on Zoom. There were a couple from Yahoo that weren't on, and there was uh, a couple from the All Blind League that weren't on, and and maybe there were three from Yahoo weren't on, and, and only Nick from the All Blind League. I don't remember the particulars there, but it was a lot of fun being together with those folks, and the three folks who were on from Yahoo all participated in the documentary from last year, and we didn't know it until we actually started... Uh, doing the draft, which Colin had set up. Colin is from Yahoo. Uh, He was instrumental back in the day working with Brian, getting the app accessible so that blind folks could easily play. And and again, the app is so awesome and not very many issues that we found, at least during the draft. And sometimes things crop up from time to time. Uh, The funniest thing is, and I, I may have mentioned this before, Las Vegas, of course, is abbreviated LV. Well, so when there's a player from Vegas, it says their name, and then it says 55, <laughs> because obviously LV is 55 in Roman numerals. And I kept laughing as I'm scrolling through players at one point, and I got, and it said DCAR 55, and it reminded me of that TV show from back in the 50s, which I know I had watched on probably Nick at Night um, back in the 80s or 90s called Car 54, Where Are You? So every time I heard Car 55, it made me chuckle a little bit. Don't worry, I didn't take David Carr. I, I won't get into the particulars of the of who I picked. Uh, I'll go over my first uh, picks in, the, in a second. Uh, they're, they're the players that you don't want on your team because they're going to get hurt um, or have just a horrible season. <laughs> but it was so cool to be on with uh, everybody from uh, the blind league and the folks from Yahoo who were on. And, and we found out during the draft that, uh, the two girls who were on from Yahoo, um, Monica and Lauren, um, both were, uh, in the crew that, uh, participated in the documentary last year. We may have never met them because they were saying that they were upstairs and, um, uh, of the, of the farmhouse that we shot in. Um, but again, it was a lot of fun. It wasn't quite as good as being together with everybody like it was last year, but it was still good to talk to one another, whether we were talking about football stuff or we were talking about stuff that was going on in the news and finding out where everybody was. Colin, for example, is in Seattle, and obviously I'm in suburban Philly. Um, just a lot of fun. and. Um, <laughs> The funniest part was, of course, I was drinking my big mug of iced tea, a 59 ounce mug of iced tea, and uh, Frank, who was a participant in the blind league, said <laughs> said something like, "Wow, that that mug blocks out your head," <laughs> and I said, "Well, it's got to be big enough for a blind guy to see it," and uh, and it's funny how many people comment on that. So I am going, <laughs> I am going to look into getting. I can't see you. Um, personalized mugs in that size, so that uh, we'll see. Maybe that will be the thing that I do for episode 200. I'm still working on that, uh, but I'll get to that a little bit later. Back to the football. In the All-Blind League, I drafted fourth, and I was questioning whether I go... Yahoo said I should go for the wide receiver from Minnesota. I thought about Cooper Cup, um, and I thought about Austin Eckler, and I thought about Delvin Cook. The other cheat sheets that I use that I looked at suggested going with uh, Delvin Cook. And I went back and forth, and finally I decided on Jefferson. And I don't know if that's the right choice. Uh, i probably could have taken him a couple picks later, meaning if I were 6th or 7th, might have been better. Uh, We'll see how that pans out. Uh, It won't matter because, again, career-threatening injury sometime by week six. And (laughs) before that draft, we found out the draft order of the Frenemies League, and I picked second. And after the the all-blind draft, I got a call from Brian and Brian said, I said, I thought you were never going to take Christian McCaffrey again. He picked second in our draft in the all-blind draft. And he said, I know. And then you stole my guy because I did pick up uh, the, the backup uh, for McCaffrey in one of the late rounds. It might've been the last pick I picked or second to last pick. I drafted much better in the all-blind league than I did in the Frenemies League. And I don't know why. I don't. <laughs> I, 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 there were so many distractions during the All Blind League. It's amazing that I didn't pick John Kitna and uh, people like that. I have Jefferson and I have. I, I was excited. I got Lamar Jackson f- from the Ravens. I, I don't remember what round I picked him in fourth, fifth, sixth, somewhere in there. And I have a pretty decent team. I got a grade B from Yahoo, which was also funny because there's this big thing going around. And I may have mentioned it, I may not have. Whether you capitalize the B in Braille, and of course, if you're talking about Louis Braille, the guy who invented Braille, yes, you would capitalize it. When you speak of a language, when you say, hey, I'm speaking English, do you capitalize the E or do you not? The whole thought is, with Braille, you don't capitalize the B. So when I checked my grade from Yahoo, it said capital B, and I started laughing because of all this stuff going around with to capitalize the B or not. And uh, it just made me laugh. In the Frenemies League, I had the second pick, and I told Brian, I said, I guess I have to pick McCaffrey. He said, If you mess him up for me in this league, <laughs> I will come after you. And so I did pick McCaffrey. There is no doubt. I mean, he goes down every year with an injury, so you can't blame it on me. So I have McCaffrey as my first pick there. My other picks there, I do have two similar teams, at least the first few drafts. I have Nick Chubb on both teams. I have T. Higgins on both teams. My quarterback in the Frenemies League is Joe Burrow. Uh, Not too excited about him, to be honest. Uh, I forget who my backup is. I want to say I pick Kirk Cousins as my backup. Uh, Again, not too exciting there. The only good thing there is the play because I've got the wide receiver as well, kind of doubling up if if I have to play Cousins. Hopefully, I don't have to play him that often, but we'll see. Maybe he's going to have a good year. Who knows? So that's the fantasy football. We've got hockey coming up soon, and I forgot to ask Frank yesterday if there are still openings in that league, Uh, but I will find out and uh, talk about it next week, hopefully. And I keep meaning to have Frank on, and timing has not been great, but uh, as you'll learn in a little bit, I have a little bit more free time now, and I'll get into that in a few minutes. Before I get too deep into it, I wanted to wish Esther Gilliard, my friend and... Keystone chapter member. Best of luck in the Miss Blind Diva empowerment pageant that's coming up at the end of September. And I'll put links in the show notes to both her video and, uh, some information on the pageant. We had the folks from that pageant on White Canes Connect, uh, probably about 10 or 12 episodes ago, and I'll link to that as well. Uh, but Esther is a great person. Uh, she does a lot of good things within the community and, uh, and she deserves to, uh, and, and wait, and best of all, she is a great singer, and her laugh is very infectious. I just love to hear her laugh, and it, it is awesome. I don't know if that could win it for her, but everything else that she's got going on hopefully uh, helps her win that. So good luck to you, Esther, and uh, again, links will be in the show notes. I'm going to mention one thing that I don't want to get too into it, but it was very disheartening. We had a Believe You Can meeting this week uh, Monday nights are when we do it, and and they're you know via Zoom. There we don't all get together and and whatnot. First of all, it's pain in the neck when you can't see to get anywhere, uh, especially when Zoom is available. So we had our meeting, and there was there was some discussion about our sponsor, and I walked away from that meeting very disheartened by what went on in the meeting, and questioning whether or I want to continue on within the NFB. Uh, for now, I am. And of course, I'm committed as the treasurer of the Keystone chapter, at least until uh, new positions are given out in January. And they're not given out. They're voted on. It's, if, you get, <laughs> if you get nominated for a position, more times than not, you're going to win. So I'm committed through then. Uh, we'll see how it all plays out. But uh, it was very disheartening. I was so upset. And uh, there were a couple other folks who were very upset after that call uh, who are also questioning, at least one of them is also questioning um, their participation. And as I mentioned last week, we work very hard in the run-up to Believe You Can. There's a lot of work that goes on, and there's a lot of time spent. And I remember last year, I think for the month leading up, I was probably putting 30 or 40 hours in, over the course of uh, each week to get things done whether I was replying to emails from people who bought tickets or I was setting things up on the website or I was doing some other things there were there was a lot of time that I put into it hopefully the next time I speak with you next week things have been a little bit more ironed out um, just just very disappointing I, it was it was very it was very, <laughs> very disappointing so, on to my cornea check. I had a cornea checkup this week. As you have heard many times, I had a cornea transplant, or as they call it, DSEC, I think, um, back on April 12th. And for the first couple of months, things were progressing so nicely and it was very exciting. Uh, I was seeing about as well as I had seen in the past year or two or three, where, as I told you, that I could see the grout lines in the tile in the bathroom. Uh, I had very little trouble reading on my computer when I could zoom in uh, very closely, but I could still read. And I couldn't read big chunks, but I could read more than I could read now. I took a couple of shots of Stellara, one in June and then one in July. And I noticed after the one in July, my vision wasn't great. And at first I wasn't thinking it was the shot, but the more I thought and the and the way it was, I thought, what else could it be? And and it could be, you know, again, I got 8 million things wrong with my eyes. You know, I've had the cornea transplants. Obviously, congenital glaucoma is the underlying issue. And I've had a cataract removed from the eye that has vision, my left. And now now I have hypotony, which is low pressure that causes a worsening of your vision. So again, my pressure yesterday was four, and uh, it was finger counting. I'm not sure how she wrote it down because I got the first one, which was one. The second one, she put up three, but I only said it was two, and that was from probably about three feet. And then the last one, she was at four feet, and she had one. Now, I couldn't see the one finger, but I could tell the way her hand was held that it was just one. After the girl walked out of the room, Liz said to me, you know, she had three fingers up. It wasn't two. And I thought, that's interesting that she didn't correct me and say, no, that was three. The other thing was they put the eye chart up because I asked if I could see it. And they put up the 2400 line. I couldn't see it. It was a B, but I couldn't see it. I got up out of the chair and walked closer to it to see it. The lights were off in the room other than that and the computer screen and the light that is over the desk where the computer screen is. So had the lights been on, maybe I would have seen three instead of two. I don't know. But whatever it was, it's finger counting at several feet is my vision now. That makes it almost impossible for me to read stuff on the computer past a couple of words. And so everything has to be either text-to-speech or voiceover. And I flip-flop between the two, depending on how much of a page that I want to read. If I want to read a whole article and there's ads involved and stuff like that, I will put voiceover on. I'm not great with voiceover yet. And it's, it's very troubling <laughs> that I'm not. And I really have to learn it uh, because it just seems like this is how it's going to be. And I've just got to handle it and, and move on. Uh, I don't like it. And I, I wish it weren't that way, but it is what it is. And I uh, just got to keep moving forward, as my dad used to say. Forward march, he and his friend used to say. The worst thing about my appointment on Friday at Will's Eye Hospital was when we got there, the lady who is behind the counter at Dr. Eyre's office said, oh, sur- your insurance is invalid, and of course, we knew that there would be some issue when Liz left Walden, but we never imagined it would be this. So as you all know, Liz has left Walden at the end of last school year. She was paid up through, they were, they were on a uh, 24 payment uh, schedule, so two paychecks a month for a year. And the last one ended in August, uh, August 15th, I believe. So, her insurance ended in August. Well, all through June, or the end of June, I guess I should say, and all through July and early August, Liz was going back and forth with the person who was, I don't know what her official title is there at Walden, but basically the HR person. Talk about the insurance, how do we have it switched over to our personal until Liz's new job kicks in with the insurance. And... In early August, she was told that someone from the insurance company, whose name I'm not going to mention here, would reach out. Do you know when they finally reached out after after Liz contacting the folks from Walden and waiting on a call? They contacted her the 29th of August. Now, what can you imagine would happen from the 29th of August until the 1st of September? Nothing evidently happened. Liz got the paperwork via email on either the 29th, late in the day or the 30th first thing. She filled it out right away. Tuesday, she took a check to the post office to make sure it got postmarked and sent out right away. Now, hindsight being 2020, which I have never had, whether it's hindsight or 2020 vision, we should have made the payment via overnight mail. And the reason we sent it through the mail, listen to this. If you wanted to pay online with any format, whether it was ACH, whether it was by credit card, there was a $20 fee. If we wanted to pay electronically in any way, $20 was added. Basically a $20 tax, a $20 fee. Now, if you are collecting money for insurance, wouldn't you rather have that money At least if you're ACHing, there are no fees. So wouldn't you want that sent right in instead of having to have somebody in a room opening an envelope, taking a check out, then putting the check in the bank? I just don't get it. It is just ridiculous. So of course, when I went to my appointment on the 2nd of September, and today is the 3rd as I record, of course they didn't have my check. They didn't have the It wasn't my check, it was our check because it was for Liz and my. And... So I couldn't, we had to pay full price for the appointment, which we, the girl told us we could do. And, and this lady is so, so nice. And she loves us when we come up. She's always very happy to see us and so friendly. And she kept apologizing. She said, it, you know, I'm sorry, I can't do anything because your insurance isn't valid and we asked what our options were and she said well you could either self pay or try to get the insurance company to see what's going on and we called the insurance company and Liz was told all that and it was just brutal that they waited till the last minute to get us the paperwork after Liz kept checking and and then because they didn't get the check yet we were on the hook now i was a little concerned that the payment was going to be more than what it was. Our copay would have been $35. We had to pay $95. While that is significantly higher, I thought it was going to be more. So we'll try to get that $95 back. The lady said, you may or you may not. My guess is we won't. And it'll be nice once Liz starts her new job. And I'll tell you about that in a second because then she'll get new insurance and we won't have to deal with this. Now, I'm not sure if I mentioned Liz's new job or not yet, but she was offered a position with the IRS. So I guess she's a G lady now, not like the thing on my desk that tells me the temperature when I ask or what time it is or to play certain songs from Spotify. She will start there sometime in September, and the insurance will kick in. I think Liz said the insurance will kick in either in November or December. I don't remember what she said. The insurance will be significantly less than what we are having to pay to continue with the insurance she had at Walden. And I don't know how people do it. The insurance from Walden will run us $1,600 and something a month for the next couple of months. So September, October, maybe November. So three months, two months, three months, we'll be paying that. And uh, it's just for Liz and I. Jane has moved on and she has she actually found out she has a pretty good plan that she signed up with at work uh, up in New York that we went to Costco today. She got her contacts. She has one hundred and thirty dollars of eyeglass and or contacts taken care of by insurance each year. So the ninety five dollars that her contacts are going to cost taken care of and that'll get her into next year. So that part is good. So Jacob's insurance is good. Jane's insurance is good. Ours is okay, other than paying $1,600 a month. And I know once she starts with the IRS, it will be significantly less than that. And I don't remember what the number is. I want to say it's four or 500 bucks. And I don't know how good the program is. I don't remember. Hopefully, it's comparable to the amount that we get now as far as co pays and whatnot, but we'll see. So Liz is looking forward to starting at uh, at the new job. Again, a couple of weeks from now, that starts. After they do the background checks, she starts with the fingerprints uh, and background checks uh, in a, about a week. The last thing I wanted to talk about today is the meat of this episode, and it is the BEP business that I worked in this week. I s- continued to work for Kirk Hunger after he was out of the blind bodega. We started at the vending business that he took over about a week before the blind bodega ended for him. This vending location is in Northeast Philadelphia at a post office distribution center that is huge. 400,000 square feet, over 700 employees work there. And it is just incredible. When I walked in there, I got to be honest with you, I was a little nervous. I was nervous because the warehouse, and I hesitate to call it a warehouse because it's Basically, packages coming and going inside this huge facility. I don't know how many bay doors they have, but I know it went up to at least 129. And it didn't start from 100 because there was also a bay 65. So I don't know how many there were, but a lot of of bay doors. When I first walked in to this massive place, I'm thinking, how am I going to find my way around here? A couple of things that were troubling to me was... Everything was dark with these, uh, with a high ceiling and these lights that, for whatever reason, freaked my eyes out. I should say eye, because my right eye didn't know. Um, it was just very hard for me to see, and I kept forgetting to bring a baseball hat to wear to kind of keep the glare down. And that's what the issue was, the glare from everything. And within this 400,000-square-foot facility, there are... I don't know if you want to call them stations, locations, there's all sorts of conveyor belts and forklifts and other carts zooming through and carrying stuff. And there are these locations in on this main floor, on the main warehouse floor, where there's bathrooms and vending machines and little seating areas that folks go when they take a break. There is one that was called the cage because within that seating area, there were vending machines and a storage spot to keep additional product. So that section was called the cage. That was pretty much in the middle of the floor. There was another one called the west wall or the center wall. Either way, we called it the wall. We knew where that was. Also pretty close to the center of the place, but further to one side of the unit of the warehouse than the other. And then there was one that they called the truck stop area. The truck stop area was right near some of the bay doors, and there were two spots there, a general seating area with vending machines, and then there were all these turnstiles where you needed the Card, you needed an ID card, which I got, and I'll talk about that. <laughs> I'll talk about that in a second to get in, and you had to go through this, um, basically a turnstile like you would go through on a subway, except it was, uh, it was like a cage, like when you leave the subway where you can't go back in. You had to scan your card, and then you it would unlock it, so you could walk through. And within that, there were a couple of vending machines, and there was also a Miss Pac-Man game and a, a bathroom. single serving bathroom, not not like a multiple bathroom. So I guess it was unisex and um, and a couple other machines there. So when we walked through it all, I'm thinking, how am I going to get through this on my own? And I don't think I ever walked the whole thing on my own. And then there was an upstairs where there was a cafeteria-type place that had a bunch of vending machines, a lottery machine, and things like that. And then there was one more place where some offices were on the third or fourth floor that also had a couple of vending machines. that I never had to worry about that. So Kirk took this business over. He put in a bid for it uh, back in, I guess, July or, or June, and he got it. And it was a place that he had had once before and then moved on to a different spot. Now, as I mentioned last week, He gave up the blind bodega because of health issues, and the vending business is a lot less labor-intensive. He can do it a few days a week, whereas the blind bodega he had to be at every day, especially since I didn't have an ID badge. So that's why he did it. It's going to be less income coming in because it's just not as busy. The other issue was, and this was almost heartbreaking to me, the state of most of the machines were only semi-functional. Some worked okay, some didn't work at all. Some were jammed or had parts missing and couldn't work, and they should have never been turned over to him in that state. And what this has shown me, it kind of soured me, to be honest, on the vending business uh, as part of the the BEP vending business, because... Kirk has a nephew that is very good and very mechanical. His name is LT. And LT can go and fix these things. And as I mentioned to Kirk on Wednesday, I said, you know, my wife and I can do this business, but we don't have the skills that LT has. He says, well, you don't have to worry about that. The BEP will take care of the machines. I said, yeah, but how long will they take to fix them? How long will the machine be down? You have him so he can start working on it. And he said, that part is true. And so he's lucky to have a guy like LT. Now, LT lives in Scranton. I'm sorry, Wilkes-Barre. So he comes down and picks up Kirk every day in Allentown. And for the, first, for the foreseeable, foreseeable future, they're coming down each day. And I'll get into that in a minute. Trying to get the machines up and running. And then once the machines are all functional, then he can bring in more product. He, he has some product there, but some machines are half full. Some machines are have two rows out of six rows that are full. Some of the drink machines were completely full. But the snack machines were there were issues. People have abused the machines, so they're broken one way or another. And it's just disappointing, so it's just it's going to be a bit before Kirk is completely up and running. And once he's up and running, then he can go to where he's only a couple days, two or three days a week. And that part will be good. Now, here was my take on everything. I was basically working four hours a day from 10 to two, give or take. Well, I would leave my house at 7.30 to go to the Swarthmore train station. And I would wait for the train, get on the train there, take it to Jefferson station in Philadelphia, And then get off that train, go to the bathroom, and wait for the next train that I had to go to get on, to go to um, the Forest Hills stop. And that worked out to about a two and a half hour commute each morning. Because I wouldn't get to the vending business until about 10. Now, some of that was waiting. Whether it was waiting at Jefferson Station, the 10 or 15 minutes for the next train, or it was waiting at the Forest Hills train station, for LT to pick me up to take me over there. So that's how I started my day. And that in itself was rough. (laughs) The roughest part being the Forest Hills train station is basically two sheds on either sides of the tracks with benches. What's that? No bathrooms? Nope, no bathrooms. So I had to force myself to go at Jefferson Station because I knew I wasn't going to see a bathroom again. And I usually got off the train at Jefferson somewhere around 8.15, 8.20, 8.25. I don't remember. Somewhere in that ballpark. And the next train wasn't coming until 8.35 or so. So I would go, hit the bathroom, come back down, wait on the platform. I would text or talk to folks while I was on the platform And then get on my way to, on the West Trenton line, going to Forest Hills. And it was a nice enough station other than the fact that it didn't have a bathroom. And I texted Jane on the first day and I said, this may be a George Washington Bridge situation. Uh, At one point uh, when Jane was looking at colleges, we went up to Boston to look at Emerson and uh, Boston University. And coming back, we had lunch at a Panera in Connecticut. (laughs) And I had not one, but two full of their biggest cups of iced tea. Uh, One I drank there, and then one I half drank there and took with me in the car. Well, of course, I had to go, but when I had to go, we were stuck in traffic somewhere north of the George Washington Bridge. And we went three miles in about an hour before we could get over the George Washington Bridge and then to a spot where we could get off and use the bathroom and get onto the, I didn't want to, I didn't want to get off somewhere in New York city or somewhere right before that, because it looked like it was going to be hard. Everything was backed up. And so I was waiting for the first rest stop on the New Jersey turnpike. And I don't remember if that was the Lombardi stop. I don't remember which one it is, whatever it was, that's where we went. And, I mean, it got to a point when we were there, I had, had to least shut the radio off. Nobody could talk. I mean, I had to go that badly. I kept looking as we, were, as we were passing construction stuff. I thought, oh, you know, I could jump out here and probably pee behind that fence over there. <laughs> but I just didn't want to because obviously there are cars slowly creeping along. It didn't get that bad while I was waiting at the train station at Forest Hills, but I did have to go pretty badly. That was the morning commute. The afternoon commute started when we would leave the post office. And again, this is a post office distribution center. If you need to buy stamps, you don't go there. If you want to send a package, you don't go there. If you have a tractor trailer load of packages, maybe that's where they end up going. Um, So it's not that kind of post office. Again, big distribution center. So we would leave there. and And the train station was only about a mile to two miles from this post office. So lt the first day said, you know, we have to leave here around 2:15 because I have to pick kirk up at three in philadelphia He had to Continue at the irs building for another week to keep the lottery machine open in case there were any issues because he was on the lottery until the 6th of september So the other guy didn't have the keys to get into it or couldn't do any of that my commute home started when we left now again on monday we left probably around 2.15, 2.30. I only had maybe 15, 20 minutes to wait at the train station for the train, which left at 2.45. Now, when I got on on Monday, I checked the schedule, and I was texting with Liz, and I said, looks like the train that I'm on gets to Jefferson Station at 4.25. Sorry, 3.25. And That's also the time the train for the Media Elwin line—sorry, it's now called the Media Wawa line—heads out. And I thought, oh, so I'm going to have to wait a half an hour for the next train. Then I realized when I got on the train and the timing was the same at Jefferson Station, I thought, I wonder—it used to be that the Media Elwin and West Trenton— Basically, once they flipped, at at Center City. So you're on the media Elwin. Once you get through Center City, it becomes the West Trenton. And so at one point, I'm sitting there on the train, and I thought, I'm going to ask the conductor who recognized me. And he said, oh, where are you going? You are going to Swarthmore? I said, yeah. He said, yeah, I've seen you on. He said, but I never saw you all the way up here. I said, no, I usually didn't get on up here. And after the next stop, I saw the conductor again walking down the, hall, down the aisle. And I said to him, I said, can I ask you a question? I know that this gets into Jefferson at 325, 325. Does it then become the media Elwin line? And he said, yeah. I said, oh, they are the words that I wanted to hear because now, I, so I don't have to get off, right? He said, no. And so I knew that if I could get on this train the rest of the week, that would make my commute home a little bit shorter, by half an hour. So instead of being two hours to two hours and 15 minutes, it was only going to be an hour and 15 to an hour and 30 minutes. And that's basically what the travel time was. When I got on the train, I would get on the train at a uh, quarter to three. I would get off in Swarthmore uh, around 10 after four-ish, depending. Uh, it was always around that ballpark. So that part was good. Now, uh, of course, the problem was, I, I didn't have a bath. There's no bathrooms on these trains. So I had to make sure I didn't Drink a lot of stuff. So the first day, I was so worried about having to use the bathroom that I didn't drink a lot, and I had a headache by the end of the the end of my four hours. So basically, each day I was working four hours, and I was commuting over four hours uh, total, not one way or the other. Two and a half hours or so in the morning, and then roughly an hour and a half, probably a little more in the afternoon. Uh, depending on how long I waited at the train station. I know on Tuesday I got to the train station at quarter after two and then had to wait a half an hour for the train to come. Now, I got to the train station right as the train heading to West Trenton was pulling into the station, but that, of course, doesn't help me. I told Kirk on Tuesday, I called him after I was dropped off at the station. I, I called him and I told him, I said, I, I can't keep doing this. It's It's just too much travel. In those four hours per day... I was thinking, I could almost edit a full White Canes Connect episode. And I can do a lot of other things. Now, the nice thing was, it was four hours a day, and I was working four hours a day. So the total time was only eight hours. You know, I'd left my house at 7.30, got in, walked in the door probably 4.20-ish. So that was a little bit better. So I had a little bit more time but i told kirk and and you know i thanked him for everything and we actually worked together on wednesday because he didn't need to be at the irs building and we went through and we were going through the money and how the machines work with that and and he was showing me that sort of stuff and we were loading some machines and there were lt was there obviously and and another guy named steve who i worked with also at the blind bodega so it was a good day to work with him, and and that turned out to be my last day. I was supposed to go in on Thursday, but LT had something and couldn't take Kirk to the IRS building, so he obviously wasn't going to be picking me up either. So Kirk worked Thursday at the IRS building, and nobody went to the vending, uh, other than maybe Steve, but Steve didn't have keys, so I don't know what happened there. The first day there, when we were walking around this giant warehouse, somebody came up to us and said, do you guys have your badges? And LT showed him his, and I didn't have one and Steve didn't have one. He said, oh, you guys need badges before you can keep wandering around through the building. So we we went up and we saw Ruthie and she took our pictures. And I still have the badge. I I wonder if I should put it somewhere because um, it's kind of funny. Um, We had to write our names, last name, then first name, who we were working for, which in this case was Key Enterprises, and then our driver's license number, obviously my ID number, not a driver's license. And we held it up. It was on a, a dry erase board. And I said, is this for an ID or a proof of life? Because that's what it looked like to me. I'm holding up, the, <laughs> I'm holding up this sign. And, uh, but that was the key card that I needed to get in all these turnstile type things to, whether it was to get into the building or to get into other secure areas. And I'm guessing sometimes the truckers that come in are not part of the post office or don't have the, um, maybe don't have ID to go places within the building. They just come in to use a bath, one of the general bathrooms and, and that one lounge that was kind of secure, uh, was just for folks who work there in the building. I don't know, but, uh, we got those badges and, uh, got those on Monday. So I used mine for the next two days through Wednesday. One of the things while I was walking around this giant facility, and the forklifts and everything are whizzing by, on the last day I was there, I was walking with LT, and there was some sort of vehicle coming from behind us, and so we had moved over, and we had gotten to a point where things had narrowed down. And I had actually stopped because I didn't feel I could safely walk past this one barrier that was going to be on my left and leave enough room for the person driving whatever kind of cart this was. And it didn't look like a forklift. It almost looked, it looked like a scissor lift that would go to change a light bulb, 25 feet in the air, things like that. I don't know what it was. The lady starts yelling at LT about me. You got to watch him. He's not good. He's got to be safe. And LT said he was safe. He pulled to the side. And, He can, you can talk directly to him, he's right there. And he kind of stood up and knew that when you're talking to a blind person, you talk to a blind person, not to the person with the blind person. If you've got a question or comment for me when I'm out and about, don't ask the person I'm with, just ask me. And it turns out this lady who was driving this thing was like this to just about everybody, not talking about you got to watch them or you got, she was talking to a coworker as we were walking past her the other way and was basically talking to him the same way. So it was just the way she was, I guess. Um, It just wasn't right. The way she was telling me that I wasn't safe. I knew I was safe and I had stopped. That's why I didn't continue on past this one barrier because I was afraid there wouldn't be enough room. If there's anything I don't want it's to be hit by one of those carts with all the aches and pains I already have. <laughs> I don't want more. And so that was it was kind of cool that LT answered the way he did. And, and maybe it's because his uncle is blind, uh, but it, it made a lot of sense. It was the exact right way, the way he handled it. And so I appreciated that, and I told him so uh, because it was, like I said, the right way. And so now I'm done. I am done with the BEP vending Obviously, I'm, I've been done with The Blind Bodega, and I was so excited on Thursday, I came downstairs and I edited episode 44 of White Canes Connect, and I said to Liz, I said, I'm so happy, and so excited that I was able to do this today. And she thought I was kidding. I said, no, I said, it's really what I wanted to do. I knocked it out, um, the editing part at least. And it was awesome. So I mentioned it last week, episode 44 is with someone called Pasol Hominski. She's an artist and a marathoner and is a survivor. She was assaulted while training for the Olympics, technically training for the New York Marathon uh, years ago, uh, to end up getting into the Olympics. She was trying to shave some time off uh, and working on that and the New York City Marathon was what she was going to try to shave that time off of to then go to the Olympics. That was back, I want to say it was 2003, I think she said. But that's up there, episode 44. She's also an artist. It was a great interview. I really enjoyed talking with her. Lisa and I spoke with her almost two months ago, almost uh, six weeks ago now. And um, again, she's a survivor And I talked to her about doing art. And I know I've probably mentioned art here before that I've always had some sort of thing for it. It's mostly from my dad with his sign making and stuff back when I was a kid. And he'd do the hand-drawn signs for uh, the shelf signs for stuff that was on sale or or whatever in his markets. And obviously now it's all done computer-wise. And and I kind of took that away when my dad was showing me how to do the 3D numbering and lettering and, and how to do all sorts of f- flair on, um, on the signs. And, um, uh, and my mom on the other side, she loved to paint and draw. She was great at drawing, and I, I always loved it. And I always wished I could draw like her. Um, but Passel was, <laughs> was really telling me I should really, uh, if you want to do art, you should just do it. And uh, like anything else, it's going to suck at the beginning and it might continue to suck. <laughs> I don't know, has this podcast gotten any better, 195 episodes in? You let me know. Uh, <laughs> but that, it's a great interview. It's uh, uh, The episode's just over a half an hour long and she had a lot of great information about doing art and being a marathoner and um, doing music. Music was another thing. She's very creative and uh, it was just a lot of fun. And as I've mentioned before, Passel was the one who had the dog that helped us through, helped us through the Senate office building when we were there a few years ago, find the elevator. And uh, it wasn't an easy find. I have to be honest with you. It was down the hall and around the corner, but the dog knew the dog could find it. I don't know if she could read the signs or <laughs> she just had an idea. So that's episode 44. It's available Spotify, Apple podcast, places like that, Google. Uh, and I'll have a link again in the show notes. Uh, it's amazing how White Canes Connect has taken off, and uh, we're getting a lot more downloads now. And um, I, I'm so happy about that. It's it's really starting to, uh, to really go. So that part is very cool. Here is that new segment that I've been promising. Now, I didn't use my new Zoom H1N, but I was on the train this week above Philadelphia, at least above Center City, Philadelphia, and I wanted to get the sounds of the train because Unlike a lot of the SEPTA trains, this one was very informative. It was telling me every stop. It was telling the people outside when you were getting on what train it was, which was very helpful because there was one day earlier in the week that I got on a train and I had no idea if it was the correct train or not. So I'm going to call this Just Listen. If you've got a better name, I'm, I'm open to suggestions. But here is Just Listen for this week. It's taking the train... To the Forest Hills stop, you'll hear the whistle, you'll hear the train moving, you'll hear the stop coming up, and this is the stop right before the one I needed to get off at. You'll also hear the announcement that's outside the train, right as the doors close. I was sitting right by the door, and that's why you could hear it. So, just listen. This you stop, on. Watch yourself i you. So let me know what you thought of that. Was it too long? Was it too short? Do I need more things? The problem is now I'll be home most of the time, so I won't be going into Philadelphia every day and I won't get all those great sounds that I might have. I may have something from 30th Street Station that I'll have to look. I, I did Shoot some video there And I'll take a look uh, If I have that If so That'll be on an upcoming episode Maybe next week We'll see uh, I just loved hanging out At 30th Street Station Before I started work And you would hear The announcements Of the trains That are coming in There was a uh, An Acela to Washington D.C. The 2103 That I always heard The announcement for There was one to New York City That was before that I believe it was The 640 uh, Keystone 640 Or something like that Uh but I did get some sounds from 30th Street Station a month or so ago. And uh, I'll play that in an upcoming episode since I know how easy it is now to take the audio off of the video. But if you have suggestions on a different name, you don't like Just Listen, you thought it didn't have enough sounds or it was too much, let me know. 646 926 6350. Or you can email me, I can't see you podcast at gmail.com. Of course, you could also reach out on social media at David Benj. That is all I have for you for episode 195 of I Can't See You. I really do appreciate you listening. Remember, you can always reach out I can't see you podcast at gmail.com. I can't see you podcast at gmail.com. Suggestions, ideas, anything you've got, reviews, things I do well, things that you don't like please reach out. I can't see you podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out with a voicemail at 646-926-6350. You have up to three minutes. Please leave your name or a nickname and your town where you're calling from. And I'd like to hear what you have to say. Again, questions, comments, show ideas, whatever you've got, please reach out, even a review, good, bad, or indifferent. Again, 646-926-6350. And of course, there's always social media at David Benj, D-A-V-I-D-B-E-N-J. Show notes for this episode are available at icantseeucom slash 195. Remember, I Can't See You sounds like a whole sentence, but it's only seven characters long. I-C-A-N-T-C-U dot com slash 195. I really do appreciate you listening to this episode of I Can't See You. Stay safe. Be well. And I will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the I Can't See You podcast with David. Please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And don't forget to share the podcast with your friends.